2: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition, Hornets hosting the Chicago Bulls tonight, fourth and final game of the homestand for the Hornets, and the last game of the month of January as well. Charlotte hoping to end the month. On a winning note, we'll have our game preview for you. Speaking of the month of January, we've got a player, Brandon Miller, who has a strong candidacy for Rookie of the Month. Brandon also named to the Rising Stars game for All-Star Weekend, no surprise there. But the Rookie of the Month award, certainly something we are watching for as well as January closes down. We'll continue to talk as well about the reimagined Spectrum Center plans and what it might mean for fans in the Queen City taking in sports and entertainment for years to come here in up. Uptown. Helping me on all of these topics, he's the sports director for WCNC, the NBC affiliate right here in the Queen City, the great Nick Carboni, back with us once again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Nick. Thanks for stopping by.
3: Sam, always a pleasure. Good good to be on, and thanks for having
2: me. We're thrilled to have you. Uh, We always appreciate seeing you around the Hive for Hornets basketball and all the other events, and I'm sure you were right at the top of the list for most excited people in the Queen City. Hearing the plans for the reimagined Spectrum Center, renovation's going to be taking place over the next two seasons. We'll see 2,500 more seats in the lower bowl. Every square inch of the stadium, basically, is going to get touched in some way, shape, or form, helping accentuate the fan experience and elevate the fan experience for everyone who comes through the doors. What have you seen that maybe excites you the most about the plans and what's to come here for this building over the next couple of years?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, I think Spectrum Center has been a really good arena for fans over the last 10 or 15 years. A great place to come watch Basketball and other events, and and, you know, credit there goes to previous ownership and also Fred Whitfield, obviously an outgoing member of the executive staff. But I also want to throw credit in new ownership's way. And Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, among the first comments that they made upon taking over this team was that front and back of house improvements are coming to the facility. And that not only shows me they care about the fan experience, but they care about the player and team experience as well. New practice. Facility, other enhancements that could attract players that maybe wouldn't consider coming to Charlotte before, and winning will help that too. Obviously, we'll get to that. But they clearly care about the uh, the vision for this team going forward, both on and off the floor. And you know, you can just see that vision, and hopefully, winning is involved on the floor. And and when it is, fans will be there. Will be more fans closer to the action. There will be more places for fans to kind of experience what everybody wants around here. So I think it's great. And, and, you know, it's going to be fairly quick. I mean, you're going to see the improvements right away next year uh, after this summer kind of solstice a little bit or siesta a little bit to get those done. And then, Pop one more in the next year, and and it'll be like a, a whole new place, but still in a great location.
2: Yeah, it really is a, an exciting development, and I think you're you're right to credit everyone involved. The previous ownership group that set the stage, negotiating with the city, the city making the investment, uh, you know, setting aside some money to help reimagine uh, Spectrum Center, and then the investment as well from the new ownership group led by Rick Schnall and Gabe Pluck. And 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 I've said it several times to other people, but I'll I'll say it again here, I think it's so telling that the first major move, the first major investment that this new ownership group is making is for the fans. Like, you're correct to point out that the back-of-the-house improvements, front-of-the-house improvements, the overall experience, that will attract players as well. But it's the fans who are going to be in there night after night that are really going to have the benefit of this. And to have that be the first thing that a new ownership group comes in and invests in their experience, I think is very meaningful.
3: Absolutely. and they, they have come in and, and clearly have a vision for the overall Direction of this franchise. And I know on the floor, it is kind of a season of evaluation, but off the floor, they want to make sure that eventually that fan experience and and how they take care of the team matches what they want to do on the floor. So I think you're exactly right. Uh, it it is telling that they have kind of jumped right into this, really wasting no time and and that this is a, a vision they had probably even before they became majority owners of this this franchise.
2: So my last question on this topic, and this is partially inspired by the other day, was ACC night at Spectrum Center, and ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips was in town, and so I'm thinking about all the great events that the city of Charlotte hosts, the ACC Football Championship down the road at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, we've seen several marquee events in terms of college basketball here at Spectrum Center, including upcoming the NCAA Tournament's opening two rounds will be here. And there's so many great events that, that are hosted. But, you know, thinking about that and looking down the line got me thinking, you know, it's it's been almost 10 years since North Carolina failed to host the tournament at, at any stage, if I'm correct. You know, there's almost always in a rotation between Greensboro – or Greenville or Charlotte, someone Raleigh as well. Someone's going to host at least a couple of rounds of the tournament. So Spectrum Center is definitely involved. But it's been a very long time since the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight have been here in North Carolina. I believe it was 2008. North Carolina won the regional last year at what was not Spectrum Center at the time, but it is this building. Uh, and that was about three years after the the building you know came to be here in Uptown Charlotte. So I'm extrapolating down the road, and I'm thinking. hey you know they haven't announced the uh the elite eight and sweet 16 sites that far in advance might the redesign mean among other things that deeper rounds of the ncaa tournament and other marquee events acc championships and whatnot could be here in charlotte
3: yeah and i i certainly think acc tournaments and some level of ncaa tournaments are going to be here for a long time but i think you're absolutely right and and they're they're kind of drawing a keen eye towards those events in the future. You look at where some of those regional sites are this year, Detroit, L.A., Dallas, Boston, all in basically NBA arenas. So I think Charlotte, given its basketball history, its history with putting on big sporting events and stadium improvements and enhancements, kind of you connect the dots there and think that something like that is coming. And we keep getting more big events. I mean, uh, they did a great job with the Ally tip-off this year at Spectrum Center, showing that this is a place that can draw, host a great event, and uh, put on a marquee show and also a great performance, a great basketball game. And I think maybe the women's tournament kind of looks at that a little bit as as a potential regional site. So I think that all of those good things as this city grows and sports continue to shine in this city are hopefully on the way.
2: Hopefully. Last I looked, the women's final four sites, they're dedicated through 2031, so hopefully after this uh, reimagining campaign is finished, uh, the city of Charlotte can get on the list, and for those thinking, hey, why just aim for Sweet 16, Elite 8 on the men's side, why not Final 4 Well, the, that's typically in domed football stadiums, so right. unless they yeah. put a roof on Bank of America, I think it's going to be a little tough. The, quite the reimagination, the expansion of Spectrum Center to uh, have that that many seats available, but who knows, maybe maybe in a, a future arena environment, maybe that'll be possible, but uh, it would be a lot of fun. Certainly, there's a lot to look forward to. Definitely encourage you to check out all of the designs and all of the information available to you at NBA.com slash Hornets slash Reimagine. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the current crop of Charlotte Hornets and one rookie star in particular, Brandon Miller, who is aiming for Rookie of the Month. Nick Carboni and I break down his candidacy next here on the Hornets i Oh. <laughs>
4: Oh, mm-hmm.
2: Sam Farber and Nick Carboni here with you on the Hornets. Hivecast. Nick, of course, the sports director for WCNC, the NBC affiliate here in the Queen City. You can see him tonight after the game with his team at WCNC, breaking down tonight's contest against the Chicago Bulls, hopefully breaking down a Hornets win. Nick, the Hornets have obviously had a struggle of a season overall, but a real bright spot has been the play of rookie Brandon Miller, who was just named yesterday to the Rising Stars game. Not a real surprise. Uh, quite frankly, would have been more of a story if he'd been left off the list, but he's there, and the story now that I want to focus on is another honor that hopefully will be announced in the coming days centered around Brandon Miller, and that is his candidacy for Rookie of the Month. There was a strong argument to make for him to win it the opening month of the season, December as well. Uh, The award for the Eastern Conference in both cases went to Jaime Hawkins, who is Also had a very strong rookie campaign, not taking anything away from Hawkes. But I would have imagined Miller finished no worse than second, maybe third. It would be a stretch to me in either of those months. But January, I feel like he's got to break through. He has scored 20 or more points in five of his last seven games. The last two weeks specifically, he's averaging north of 20 points a night, five rebounds per game, shooting over 50% from the floor, 38.3% from three. To me, it is a lock, but Nick, I'm curious, for you, is that enough for the rising star Brandon Miller to rise to the top spot in the East and win Rookie of the Month?
3: Sam, I certainly think it's enough, but I'd love to see him cross that 30-point mark tonight against Chicago at home. I think he's really building towards that type of output. We've seen that the last few weeks. Uh, You know, a couple of games here and there where uh, maybe the shooting's off or he gets in foul trouble and and obviously played a little banged up and, and... not feeling himself for a while out West either, so that had an effect. But overall, his performance this entire season has been a big, bright spot. Maybe even for those of us who expected him to be a really good player, uh, he may even be exceeding those expectations. He looks like he is not only arrived, Sam, but that he is ready to take on more, more responsibility than he's already had as a rookie on a team that struggled. But he seems like he's ready to take the next step. So an honor is coming. I would think it would be this month, but hey, If he doesn't get it this month, that'll drive him to get one next month. I can guarantee that about Brandon Miller.
2: Had a chance to talk to Hornets head coach Steve Clifford the other day about Brandon Miller and his surge in scoring and other statistics over the last month. Here's what coach had to say about his rookie phenom.
3: He badly wants to win. You know, he does a lot of extra work. He's very diligent. I think, you know, it's his competitive spirit. You know, I mean, and things like that. He has the type of intangibles that you can't teach can't teach somebody to want to win you know that's what he wants to do or to be a good learner where you don't have to show them something five times before they do it so he just has to me a lot of however who he is dna how he was brought up whatever it is but you know that's why he'll be a winning player as his career goes
2: on hornets head coach steve clifford talking about brandon miller and nick that that contagious competitiveness like there, there's a reality when teams draft high in the lottery, there tends to have been something deficient in the roster that's going to make it tough for a one-year rebound. There was certainly a belief that Charlotte might violate that rule because so much of the reasoning behind the Hornets' struggles the previous season were around injuries and absences. And unfortunately, for a second straight year, Charlotte's once again dealt with injuries and absences. I think they're the, the team with the second most rotational games missed of any team in the NBA. It just makes it very, very difficult Difficult to win, but as we've seen from other rookie phenoms, Paolo Banquero last year for Orlando is a good example. After that potential star establishes himself in the league, it's not too long for success to follow. The Magic having a really strong year this year, and there's a lot of belief that Brandon Miller might institute that kind of turnaround here with a healthy Lamelo Ball and other healthy pieces next season, hopefully at the latest.
3: Yeah, and I would love to see this version of Brandon Miller, this ascending version of him back out there with obviously LaMelo Ball, but also with Mark Williams, because I think that's what this franchise is going to build around. I think kind of the seeds of that uh, are already in getting into place. That, that's already a bit in motion. So you would love to see a nice, healthy stretch of that uh, health, so to speak, this year to see what the three of them can do together even if it doesn't lead to a, a play-in spot or a playoff spot. But yeah, I, I, Steve Clifford is, is obviously dead on about his guy there. He is just built this way. He is tough. He tries to come back from some of these injuries maybe before he should, and they have to kind of like tell him to, to ease up a little bit. Um, he's played through, as I mentioned, a, a little bit of illness and, and tried to gut through that. You saw at the end of the game the other night where Powell towel over his head just kind of put it all out on the floor. Uh, despite the result, and, and wants to bring winning back to this franchise. So I couldn't be more pleased with what he can do on the floor, obviously, but what he can bring to this franchise off the floor and helping establish a winning culture. I think that is going to go a long way and makes that number two pick and all that comes with it quite worth it.
2: There's a couple of stats where Brandon Miller is already top 100 in the NBA. And top 100 is a pretty big sample size, but I mean, you think about it, uh, there's 30 teams you're talking about being top three of any roster uh, if you're if you're in this zone, so the two that stood out to me that, that I wanted to highlight here, one is minutes per game. He's playing over 30 minutes per game, so he's on the floor more on a nightly basis than Austin Reeves is for Los Angeles. Jared Allen is for Cleveland. Jaime Hake is a you know another rookie out there. Chet Holmgren, another rookie out there. He's playing a ton. Of minutes right now and he's also one of the better three-point shooters already in the nba 37.8 percent as of the recording of this podcast from three that's top 100 in the nba and i look back at all of the rookie of the year award winners not rookies there have been some rookies that didn't win that award that had maybe slightly better three-point percentages and we'll see where brandon miller lands at season's end but just amongst those who won the award going back to the institution Of the three-point shot in 1979, there are only five Rookie of the Year award winners who shot better from three for their rookie season than Brandon Miller. And I think this list here is going to impress you, Nick. Do you want to give any guesses, first off, on a Rookie of the Year award winner who shot better from three than Brandon Miller?
3: Oh, boy. Oh, man, that's a tough one. (laughs) Any name. Uh... Go for it. Is Lamelo
2: one of them? He is not. Lamelo ended up, I think, around thirty-five percent. The wrist injury
3: higher than
2: that. He he was, but then the wrist injury happened, and he came back to try and help get the team into the postseason. They made the play-in tournament, uh, but didn't quite get over the hump. Here, here's the list, going from most recent to most distant past: Malcolm Brogdon, Kyrie Irving, Mike Miller, Damon Stoudemire, and Larry Bird. Those are the only five Rookie of the Year award winners who in their rookie season shot better from three than Brandon Miller is now. That's a pretty elite company there, all all of them, either all-stars, NBA champions, MVPs, some cases all three.
3: And I mean, it's, it's promising, obviously, just the company he's keeping, but also, you know, you always question whether a guy who's a pretty decent outside shooter in college can translate that into the NBA, and he's kind of started at the the rate he was already shooting in one year at Alabama. So you'd have to think that could even improve. But he's a guy that most nights can be relied on taking and making a big shot, not afraid to take the ones that, that matter in the fourth quarter. We saw that right away. The other kind of statistic that I've been kind of drawn to in this recent run of success for Miller, Sam, is his lack of turnovers. I know he's not a primarily ball handler most of the time, but the ball's in his hands a lot. As you mentioned, he's on the floor a lot. It seems like he does make the right decision more often than not. I think the other night, did he have one turnover to go with those 29 points? That has been a really, really positive sign about this rookie who just seems to, as Steve Clifford said, learn the game really well, understand what he's supposed to do, and execute it. And that, that to me, is a great sign, as is the three-point shooting, as you mentioned. I didn't realize he was in that that kind of company that's uh, that's incredible and should put a smile
0: on a lot of Hornets fans faces
2: last 7 games miller is averaging a little under 3 assists per game and just over 1 turnover per game and over his last uh, Five or six basically, uh in no more than two turnovers in any contest. He's really been strong taking care of the basketball. Good pull there as well. Hopefully he can put the finishing touches on a Eastern Conference rookie of the month campaign tonight, as Charlotte hosts Chicago. We'll have our game preview for you next with Nick Carboni of WCNC after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cast.
4: Thank <tries> you.
2: Sam Farber and Nick Carboni, sports director at WCNC, the NBC affiliate in the Queen City, here with you on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. And tonight, after the Hornets get done with Chicago, we definitely encourage you to tune in to WCNC's outstanding sports coverage led by Nick Carboni. And, of course, we'll have a game recap edition of the HHC for you tomorrow, right here, wherever you get your podcast. But it's game preview time, Nick. You are a veteran here of the Hornets Hivecast, so you know how this works. We're going to need a player from Charlotte. A stat to watch other than points because that's cheating, and a Chicago Bulls player to watch. Hornets 10 and 35, taking on Chicago, who's on a very odd travel schedule. Every team's got, you know, one trip or one week that just is a head scratcher and you, you got to overcome it. But I got to be honest here, Nick, this one is difficult. Now, we are used to as a coastal team occasionally having to go coast-to-coast. Coast. that That's part of it. There's no way around it. You're going to have to go play teams on the West Coast, make your way all the way across, and, and you're probably going to play three games consecutively in three different time zones. That's just the nature of the beast. But it seems less common if you're Chicago. It feels like that shouldn't happen, and yet you go back to three nights ago they played in Portland. Yesterday they had a home game in Chicago, and now tonight they're in Charlotte for night two of a back-to-back. That seems very odd. It is... However, a rest advantage for the Hornets, so no complaints. Uh, you get to lead this game preview off. Do you want to start with a Chicago player to watch, a stat to watch, or a Hornet to watch?
3: I'll start with a Hornet to watch uh, because I think Miles Bridges has flown a little bit under the radar as of late with kind of the ascension of Brandon Miller and and obviously all that that means for the franchise overall. But you look at the last handful of games for Bridges, 21, 21, 21, 20, 28, 25, 23, uh, I think, you know, he's been consistent. He's improved a lot of his numbers this year since returning. And, you know, he's, he's been a valuable piece as this franchise looks to, to kind of see what the rest of the year holds. So I'll go Miles Bridges to watch. I don't have any Miles against Chicago matchup stats available, but, uh, Miles Bridges has, has done quite well for himself the last couple of weeks.
2: He absolutely has seven straight games of 20 points or more. Uh, you're, you're dead on on that one. If you go a little further back, uh, he's had eight of his last nine games have been 20 points or more. And then uh, even further, just trying to track this real quick here, uh, he missed it twice. So let's see. He's got 13 of his last 15 games have been 20 points or more. This is just a remarkable run. And I know he averages 20 points per game, but usually that means you're slightly above 20 points, slightly below 20 points to be able to hit that number consistently while being the focal point of the opposition night after night after night. He's either number one or number two on their uh, defensive must do list. uh, And he continues to score at that kind of rate while shooting. In these last 15 games, better than 40% from three. So a very, very impressive run here for Miles Bridges. By the way, included in that run, two 20-plus point performances against Chicago. He scored 28 at the Bulls in early January in the next game, followed up with 24 at home against Chicago. Neither of those games were wins, but hopefully tonight he'll get over that hump. I'm going to go with the player we were talking about before uh, for a couple of reasons. Brandon Miller is high on my list. For one, I want to see him win Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for the month of January. I think he can, you know, put the, the punctuation mark on this candidacy here with another strong performance. He's been playing very well. Five out of his last seven games. He's gone for at least 20 points. I think if he makes that six for eight and six total in the month of January, he probably wraps it up. Uh, if he goes for 30, that makes it even stronger. And if it's in a win, strong guess. So let's go for Brandon Miller as our Hornets player to watch along with miles bridges next up stat to watch or bull to watch
3: i'll go bull to watch and i'll go kobe white north carolina kid obviously former tar heel and i can't wait to see you know him go up against Lamelo ball just for the fun factor alone those guys make uh incredible plays all over the court uh and they have a little flair to them as well so i'll go kobe white coming back to north carolina hopefully in a in a hornets win but I hope we see a little bit of fun stuff from him as we have this year.
2: Yeah, he has really stepped up this season. I I think at at a certain point he kind of fell down the depth chart for many Bulls experts out there. Seeing other players is maybe more advantageous, and he just – puts his head down, keeps working, and has grown his role again and again and again. I I love the kid. I love his game, and I love the way he is playing and bulldozing his way into that lineup. Great pick for a player to watch. I will go with DeMar DeRozan. He has been their superstar the majority of the year. Injuries have sidelined at different times. Vucevic, as well as Levine, but DeRozan continues to be that drumbeat, that heartbeat, that throwback player who just knocks down mid-range jumpers. Uh, He goes completely against analytics, and it doesn't matter because he's a winning player, and he's. He's had some good success against the Hornets as well, averaging 21 points per game. Not a great three point shooter. And that's something to keep in mind. Uh, he's so hard to stop from the free throw, from getting to the free throw line and from the mid range that it almost doesn't matter. But uh, in the modern NBA, that has been a weakness for him. But overall, just a really, really strong season. He's had three strong performances against Charlotte as well. Hornets will uh, need to keep an eye on him if they're going to get a win. Last but not least, a stat to watch.
3: I'll go three-point shooting, uh, the Bulls haven't been particularly strong from outside this year. The Hornets have been a little bit better, but man, they need a lift on offense. So if Miles Bridges is hitting shots from outside, if Brandon Miller is hitting shots from outside, if Nick Smith Jr. is coming in and providing those, and if Lamelo is in the game, uh, we know what he can do from outside. I think that could be a, a big stat, and and kind of lift this offense a little bit from where it's been the last couple of weeks.
2: I like the pick. My stat to watch is going to be turnovers. Neither of these teams shoots the ball very well. They're both in the bottom 10 of the NBA in field goal percentage, both in the bottom half, in three-point percentage. So turnovers and eliminating opportunities to shoot at the basket, I think that is going to be a real big focus here for both teams. And quite frankly, Chicago, the reason that they've been better as of late and are still in the playoff hunt overall, is that they're excellent when it comes to turnovers. They're top five in the NBA, uh, just about 12 turnovers per game. Hornets are in the bottom half of the nba with right around 14 turnovers per game doesn't sound like a lot but when you extrapolate that over an 82 game season it ends up being a lot of extra possessions and uh, particularly when you're taking on a team that's top 10 in their own turnover percentage as well as opponents turnover percentage it can really start to stretch and that's where it allows chicago to overcome the fact that in general they're not a great shooting team so turnovers Got to take care of the basketball. Brandon Miller's been exceptional about that over the course of this month. Hopefully the Hornets overall can be and use that stat as well as three-point shooting to gain a win to close out the month of January. No matter how it goes down, we know it'll be covered very, very well, expert fashion, over on WCNC, your NBC affiliate here in the Queen City, with sports director Nick Carboni piloting the ship. Nick, thanks as always for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast.
3: Absolutely, Sam. See you at the game. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks to our producer, Rob Longo, for putting this podcast together. Most of all, to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with a game recap edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.